Welcome to Forward Fooding, the food tech revolution podcast. Join us as we chat to the founders, startups and scale-ups, creating a brighter future of food. Good morning, good afternoon, good uh, evening, I guess. <laughs> Everyone, depending on where you're connecting from. My name is Alessio Dantino and uh, I'm the founder of Forward Fooding. I'm really excited actually to be here today. Um, and joined by, by Mark from Hero Farms uh, to, to actually have a very informal, I guess, a virtual chat uh, to, to talk about vertical farming uh, and the development of the sector. Uh, I've started forward fooding about five years ago um, as we really believe that technology and entrepreneurship can really make a difference in actually solving some of the biggest challenges that are affecting our food system. Um, and so what we've been doing um, is really trying to enable effectively collaborations between uh, uh, corporates and startups and scale-ups uh, that can really contribute to creating a, a brighter future of food. Um, and I'm delighted to have Mark uh, uh, to join us today. Aerofarm has been recognized by Fast Company as one of the world's most innovative companies in food, uh, is a mission-driven company and a certified B Corporation leading the way for indoor vertical farming and uh, transforming agriculture. Uh, Mark has co-founded Aerofarms with a deep desire to make fresh nutrition uh, produced more accessible to communities globally. Um, and uh, so without further ado, let me welcome uh, Mark. And uh, actually, let me ask him the first question, which is, uh, um, given your, your background, can you please uh, briefly introduce actually Aerofarms from anyone who doesn't know uh, what you guys do and tell us a bit about your journey co-founding actually the business. Yeah, great. Well, thank you. I appreciate being here and get a chance to share our story. So yeah, I'm Marco Shima, one of the co-founders as you shared. Uh, my background is in uh, brand management and food. And so uh, I've headed the marketing for supermarket chains, specialty food retailers, restaurants. So always had a passion around uh, the power of food, how it can bring communities together. And it was, uh, seeing firsthand some of the trends that were developing, and this is a number of years back, but in terms of people's interest in terms of where the food's coming from, how it's sourced, how it's prepared, and getting a chance to see how we could really reimagine agriculture and think about farming very differently. Uh, that's what led me to join forces with uh, our fellow co-founders, our CEO, David Rosenberg. Uh, he's someone I've known for over 20 years, and we've always looked for opportunities to work together. And our, our chief science officer, Dr. Ed Harwood, uh, who has really pioneered uh, a lot of this initial technology that we've developed. Uh, it's about us coming together, and we all have different expertise in different areas. It's a reminder that farming is really challenging. It takes a village. And so it's one thing to understand growing and the growing technology. It's another thing to think about what's the big vision, what's the picture, what's the kind of impact, which David is just a, an amazing visionary around. Uh, but then at the end of the day, thinking about, you know, what are the products that we're going to grow, what are we going to sell, and what are the strategies there. And so coming together was this idea of the impact we can have. When we talk about indoor vertical farming, it's this idea that uh, we can build farms uh, where the communities are. We can bring them into the cities, we can bring them into even rural areas, but how to be efficient around that. But we're growing indoors. And the idea you can see in the image behind me is that these are beds of agriculture stacked on top of each other. So we think about converting warehouse spaces or building new, new uh, growing centers. That allows us to be able to reimagine the idea of local production, all year round production, uh, but we have key benefits, and we'll talk a little bit more about the technology, but, you know, the aero and aero farms refers to aeroponics. So this is a, a form of hydroponics where we're delivering, we're actually misting the roots with nutrients. Uh, we're able to use up to 95% less water. 
Uh, we're able to think uh, about growing without any kind of pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. So it's a clean product. It's a ready-to-eat product. And more importantly, you know, we're able to do it and have the right kind of economies of scale to really be able to enable this local production. So we think about the impact we can have. We're excited about where we put our farms and the connection we have with the community. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks a lot, Mark, because uh, um, I feel b besides, you know, having the opportunity to actually looking at the real farm, although <laughs> in a virtual, I guess, uh, setup, I think it's very, um, it's great actually how you have described, you know, the technology, because I think sometimes quite a lot of people have a, a bit of a blurry idea of what ver vertical farming and in, in particular, you know, hydroponics is all about, <laughs> as it almost like looks, you know, too futuristic to actually be, <laughs> be real. But uh, thanks for that. And uh, I also would like to take this opportunity to also mention that you guys have actually won not only Time's Best Invention of 2019, but also you have landed actually in the first position of our very own uh, FitTech 500, which uh, is our endeavor to create a sort of a Fortune 500 for, uh, agri agri for the agri-FitTech sector. Um, and so based on that, uh, can I just ask you what's, what would have been new given also the whole COVID, which we're not going to touch uh, a lot on uh, during this chat, but what, what was new uh, at, 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 at Farms since you guys won uh, first, the first position on, of the Food Tech 500 list in February? Yeah, if I can, I mean, let me even take a step back and kind of share a little bit about, you know, the evolution of the company as well. And so uh, our focus initially had been around uh, local production and how we can uh, be able to feed the local communities. Uh, our business had expanded in uh, licensing uh, our technology. We went back to our roots as the farmer. Uh, we realized that uh, all of the intellectual property that we developed, everything that you see is technology that we've developed. And our approach is very different in that we have all this expertise uh, in-house. Uh, today we're a team of over 165 people, uh, but we have the plant engineers, uh, we have the food safety specialists, we have nutritionists looking holistically about how we grow and what we grow. And so it's a really different approach in terms of thinking about um, our equipment because it's building it from the ground up of thinking about how to optimize the right environment for the plants. Uh, really thinking of ourselves as the plant whisperers, right? And thinking in that sense. Um, I just wanna highlight a couple of things though, in terms of the technology has won a number of awards. The company is a certified B Corporation. We've won a number of awards around our environmental and sustainability. Uh, you mentioned the time. The reason why that was pretty exciting as well because that was specifically in the category of food. And at the end of the day, you know, we talk about all this new technology and what does this mean? And what kind of impact? Uh, it's got to taste good. It's got to be uh, something that people enjoy. And to be able to get that kind of recognition is exciting from that standpoint. Uh, and working with you guys and thinking about what's next, right? That food tech and thinking about innovation, uh, that's at the spirit of, you know, who we are, what we're doing. I mean, our, our vision and our mission is how do we grow the best plants possible for the betterment of humanity? It's very bold, very ambitious. But we're looking how we can extend this expertise We've grown over 800 different types of crops. Uh, we think about not only the world of leafy greens where we have a lot of expertise, but other um, categories of food. We also think about other verticals, even beyond the world of food, you know, what's next in terms of pharmaceutical or cosmeceutical or nutraceutical, other industries that can have an impact. So some of the big news that uh, we just announced literally um, uh, about a week and a half ago uh, was plans for a major farm that we're gonna be doing in Abu Dhabi. And this is in conjunction with the Abu Dhabi Investment Office. And this is gonna be the world's largest indoor vertical farm for R&D, specifically just R&D only. And what's exciting about that is that it's really taking all of our work and our history and taking it to the next level. 
what many people don't know is that we do a lot of work today, not only in terms of commercially growing and selling product in the marketplace, but we also do major research with key strategic partners, Fortune 100 companies, helping them solve their specific ag supply chain related needs. And so the culmination of a lot of work is coming together in this new farm that we're gonna be building out. And it's going to be over 90,000 square feet um, and dedicated and having centers of excellence um, not only on the indoor vertical farming, but all the way from the seeds and the genetics, uh, phenotyping. Uh, we're gonna be doing things not only with machine vision, machine learning, AI, uh, but with drones and automation. So thinking again, outside of the box about where we can take agriculture to that next level. And this R&D center is gonna serve as a key uh, linchpin in terms of our opportunity to work with strategic partners in the region there, but also globally in terms of thinking about how do we help some solve their specific needs. So. Uh, really, really excited about, uh, in spite of um, obviously the COVID-19 and everything that we're dealing with, the challenges there, that we're able to still be able to think about uh, what's next and the bigger picture and the bigger impact we can have. Wow, that's awesome, Mark. It's, it looks like uh, COVID has really impacted you that much in a way. I mean, you keep on uh, uh, pushing on your projects, I guess, that you were already discussing before. I believe COVID cured, but uh, it's exciting also when I asked you earlier that if, if the actually farm is still operating, you said yes, of course, because <laughs> uh, I guess it, it requires uh, less, I guess, human beings, right, uh, in the, on, on site. Yeah, well, let's, let me acknowledge though, I mean, this has not been easy uh, in terms of, you know, thinking about um, our operations. Uh, we sold to a lot of food service customers as well that have just disappeared. Uh, we've been able to pivot though. One of our advantages in terms of our growing is a really accelerated growing cycle. Um, so we were able to change our harvest and seeding schedule based on our customers, but we were able to deploy then more product into uh, the retail sector where there's been tremendous demand, huge up, upside on, on that area. Um, so those are some of the advantages of our business in terms of again, being nimble uh, in terms of you know, being able to react quickly in the marketplace. Uh, but we really wanna make sure we acknowledge uh, the team and the work our team's doing. Really, it's just the commitment they have. There's this shared passion, shared purpose around the kind of impact. The idea that we're feeding the community, we feel a tremendous obligation as a food producing company. Again, ensuring that we have um, our operations and maintaining that continuity. So uh, our team, you know, we feel like they're on the front lines literally and they're doing hero's work. And we really celebrate uh, the fact that we've been able to maintain the operation. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's brilliant. Again, I guess health and food are the two things that now are, I guess, on top of people's agenda. So definitely they are on the front line for that. Um, and the, it's great that you actually mentioned also that you're working on, um, on this project in Abu Dhabi because uh, one of the other questions I, I was going to leave at the very end was actually um, about also all the other applications of vertical farming beyond food, but we'll keep that at the very end. Um, yeah. So, in today's new normal, uh, what do you see uh, as the biggest challenge actually in food tech to be at the moment and how you're also trying to overcome it? So, if you have maybe this uh, more, you know, tips uh, and advices to fellow entrepreneurs who might have joined us, uh, um, that would be actually helpful to, to just share it with them. How did you guys kind of react to it and what are your top tips, you know, to yeah. navigating, you know, the whole COVID? Well, I think, you know, there are a few things that are really uh, have been helping us, you know, guide us throughout. Um, uh, first starts with understanding who we are as a company. You know, we talk about being mission driven. We talk about our values. We talk about our principles. These are things that we're living, breathing. And 
one of our core principles is resiliency. So needed in terms of not only these macro pain points that we're feeling right now in terms of the COVID-19, but just in terms of any business and how it evolves and thinking about, again, what's the kind of impact you can have over time. The business will have some zigs and zags and be able to think and not lose sight of the big picture. So that resiliency is just such a core part of who we are and thinking about that. Um, but it's also just fundamentally thinking about the business and the economics, right? So thinking fundamentally, what is the problem and what's the solution and what can you do uniquely to help solve that? And having that as a starting point is what's really key in terms of thinking about uh, our business model. You know, what we're doing so differently in terms of our farming, it's not the old paradigm of I'm going to grow it and take it to the market and hope to sell it. Everything that you see that's planted has been for specifically for a specific customer. So this is just in time growing. It's much more efficient. It's understanding the pain points in the industry in terms of sourcing availability. Uh, we've had other macro issues around food recalls and safety. And so, you know, this is also thinking very differently about uh, what we can do from that standpoint with indoor growing. We minimize uh, a lot of the different pressures you may feel out in the field with E. coli or salmonella. Um, and then also this thinking about the variability you have in terms of mother nature and warming and drought, and lack of arable land. This is, you know, we need new solutions. And so what we're very much focused on is how we can be part of the solutions and help be a catalyst, you know, to further solutions as well. That's awesome. Love that. And do you have any particular tips when it comes to, I guess, managing the team remotely or um, in general, I guess, keeping it positive while you talk about resilience, which is, uh, I think, is key also in, you know, this new normal. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. top tips maybe on like, you know, how did you guys also change maybe some uh, processes as you were yeah. managing the team remotely and like more practical? Yeah. You know? Well, communication is key, right? And so enabling tools with virtual, but making sure we have that connection. Um, we're doing daily team huddles, right? But we're doing company-wide announcements. We just had one yesterday where our CEO, David uh, Rosenberg, got a chance to address and provide regular updates. Uh, we've dedicated an internal portal where we house all the information in terms of any breaking news or development. So we're really putting an emphasis on making sure people can access you know, key information and help give them the reassurance about what we're doing, what role they play, and how we can have, again, alignment there. So that's really critical from a communication standpoint. Fantastic. Great. So, just, I mean, we're trying to do some fun things. So, for example, we have a virtual happy hour tomorrow. Um, so we'll be sharing some different uh, ideas. Uh, we're doing something company-wide on, on Friday. Uh, that's much more social-oriented. Uh, so, again, making connections. You know, one of the things that we've observed is that uh, people working remotely or maybe from home, you're invited into their home, right? And you're getting a chance to see. And so there's a very different personal dynamic there that's happening as well in terms of the bonding. Uh, we're going to come out through all of this in a much stronger way. True. Yeah, completely agree with that. I think <laughs> it is, it's a lot, it takes a lot of actually focusing on the positives as well. Down, you know, once we're going to be through that, <laughs> but definitely, you know, keeping that in mind helps, you know, to then uh, almost like feel like that, you know, is not as bad as, uh, as I guess, has been painted also all over the news. Um, but today is also a special day. We're celebrating uh, the, fifth, the 50th actual anniversary of Earth Day. So a, a little bit more of a, I guess, philosophical question here, but what do you hope to, to, that we see in the next 50 years in the food tech field? for sustainability and beyond? Yeah, it's how do we can really enable uh, more innovation um, and technology to be much more judicious with our resources, right? And so we think about 
the circular economy. Uh, these are some of the basic, you know, again, building blocks for our organization. How do we do more with less? And technology is an enabler, you know, for that. And, and it starts with a commitment as an organization around, you know, what we could do. So we, we have a scorecard, we have a measurement. We're looking at constantly about, you know, the key factors there. Uh, we talked about we're a certified B corporation so that there's transparency in how we're doing both on the environmental factors and societal factors. Um, some of the biggest things that we're hoping that technology helps enable, uh, there's more things around tra transparency, traceability, we hear about blockchain, uh, but we also think things about how do we factor in the true cost of doing business, right? How do we factor in the externalities? Uh, often, you know, it's often done, business traditionally has been at the expense of something else, whether it's a, the community, whether it's a stakeholder, whether it's the environment. And we want to make sure that there's an equitable system that's factoring in all those different stakeholders. And the, the true cost of doing business, the true cost of our food, is looking at, again, how are we doing with our precious resources? You know, the fact that 70% of fresh water today goes in agriculture, 70% of the pollution is coming from agriculture. Uh, we think about the fact that over the last 40 years, we've lost a third of our arable land. Uh, we think about the increasing population, increasing urbanization. Uh, we think about worker welfare and, and safety. You know, we have to do better. And so what we want is a system that can help track that and measure that and reward the better actors. And we think government can play a role in that, but ultimately the consumer plays the biggest role in terms of how they vote with you know, their purchasing power. Very true, yeah. And is uh, based on also this, do you see any current and upcoming, I guess, uh, trends in the food tech world that you think are worth watching or can help actually to achieve some of the things you have mentioned? Well, I think we're just at the tip, uh, uh, the beginning of, you know, what we think is uh, going to be a big wave of opportunity. Again, how we leverage uh, technology, how we leverage the Internet of Things and how we think about the data and how we think about controls. You know, for us, you know, whether the farm's here or if it's in Abu Dhabi, we're able to see real time what will be happening, you know, with the farm, we'll be able to extend our expertise and the impact we can have. So it's been exciting to see, you know, how that's, again, one of the things that we're calling the enablers of understanding, again, how to do business in a better way. Uh, but for us, it's about how do we think uh, even more broadly, uh, we've been doing a lot of work on the seeds and the genetics as well, and thinking again, even from the beginning part of the equation, you know, how do we optimize those plants that can then grow in these environments that we're talking about that uh, are been developed specifically for indoor farms and thinking differently again about that starting point to optimize again against key attributes like yield. Uh, but we're putting, you know, flavor, we're putting nutrition, you know, at the forefront and thinking differently about really a new category of food for the consumer. Wow. That's super interesting. And, uh, it actually is a great segue into my question, burning question that I had <laughs> that I mentioned at the beginning, um, where I recently, actually earlier this week, I was reading this article about uh, different applications of vertical farming technology for actually growing uh, monoclonal antibody treatments uh, for COVID and for other vir viruses. Um, so my question is, if food is actually our medicine, which seems to be the case, by the way, yeah, yeah. what do you think will be the role of actually vertical farming in, also in the nutraceutical and more broadly, I guess, in the pharma world? And maybe yeah. if you can just take it a step back to, ever, to bring everyone up to speed with what the technology is all about, or this particular technology related to genetics is, is about or is capable of doing, um, so that everyone can understand, I guess, what's your view of that as well? Well, a couple of things, just to talk a little bit more about um, what we're doing today and from an industry standpoint and thinking about 
you know, the question on the genetics, but also broader work that we're trying to do that extends beyond indoor farming, indoor vertical farming, or urban farming. Uh, we've got great partnerships that we're doing. For example, we work very closely with the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Uh, this is a U.S. program. It's funded out of the out of the Farm Bill, and uh, we were the recipient uh, three years ago for one of their early grants that they made. It's a two million dollar initiative. It's a million dollars from them, and we matched it with a million dollars. Uh, and that's one that's specifically around our ability to identify stressors and leafy greens to optimize for taste and nutrition. Um, what's great about that program as well is that we're actually partnering with the traditional land-grant universities here in the United States, uh, working with Cornell and Rutgers University. And so we're helping them think about, again, also what's future, you know, um, going to be needed from future farming and, and curriculum standpoint as well. Um, but what we're thinking about there is uh, all of that work is going to get published for the broader industry. And so thinking again, how to drive more consumption, how to drive healthier uh, consumption is going to be, you know, how do you make a tastier product, right? You're going to make it taste good. And so we're excited to be able to have that lens in terms of that broader role we can play um, and thinking about that impact. Out of that work that we've done with FAR has developed a new initiative that we are a key um, architect with and working closely with them, which is called PIP or Precision Indoor Plants. And there, um, it's a coalition from multiple stakeholders in terms of, again, how to improve the quality of uh, our produce uh, by looking, again, holistically, not only at the genetics, but all the way through to post-harvest. What, what are technology and innovation? So for us, we're really excited to be able to think about how we can help coalesce industry and develop these platforms to be able to think collectively about how do we solve some of these bigger problems. And so uh, we're excited about you know, work that we're doing on, on you know, that kind of a front as well. Interesting. So I guess the somehow the boundaries between food and medicine are actually becoming blurrier and blurrier in the sense that you can really now integrate some of the nutrients that are actually also help, I guess, play a nutraceutical uh, benefit um, yeah. actually in the food that you actually produce, right? Is, is yeah. this also one of the main benefits, I guess, of vertical farming as a technology platform enabler? Yeah. And, and just to talk a little bit more about that. So when we talk about, you know, the team, the holistic, I mean, you know, our plant scientists, you know, so we're looking at the plant health and how that translates though into human health. So we have the nutritionist, registered dietitian nutritionist on staff. It's that holistic view, understanding, you know, how can you stress the plants in different ways to have it express different key attributes that are going to be of benefit. Um, so that's the power of when we talk about indoor farming and the kind of control and precision that we have. Um, but we also talked about just in general thinking about traditional seed development, you know, out in the field, maybe around a seven year process, right? I mean, you only have one May every year to think about that learning and codify that. And then you got to wait till the next year in terms of the seasons uh, by growing these plants and having such accelerated growing. So for leafy greens, for example, out in the field may take 30 to 45 days to grow, depending on the season. We can actually grow in 12 to 14 days. And so, and we can grow all year round. So from a seed development, uh, just think about that. Those are each one of those harvests, 30 harvests, another one of those learning opportunities. We're optimizing and accelerating that learning process. And so that's allowing us to have a very different kind of lens of thinking about impact we can have and how we can help uh, be a catalyst for further developments there. Wow, that's super exciting actually. Uh... I can't wait to also start seeing actually new products uh, that are, uh, I guess, at the intersection of uh, nutraceutical and food that will be probably, you know, vertical farming, vertical farmed uh, in, in its own right. And so it's, it's really exciting, actually. 
Um, let me ask you one more question and then uh, we'll open it up to, to the questions from the, from the participants. Um, what would be the biggest lesson you've learned that you would share to your younger self? Uh, and this could be really anything, I guess, related to business, but also to building, I guess, uh, uh, the business from the ground up. Really. Yeah, this is a great question. And um, but it's one that I've been fortunate to have moments to think about. And I think as a founder and co-founder of a company, you know, you get a chance to think about what is it that you really want to do, right? And uh, I think the biggest lessons would be follow your passions, right? Uh, a lot of time early in my career uh, was about how to manage options, right? How to increase, you know, that learning, that career path, uh, but then how to line that up with, you know, what's really uh, important to you is so critical. And that's where it moves from a career to this is just, you know, what you're doing. This is your, your lifelong pursuit. So it, it's a very different, you know, mindset that you have. And so um, follow that passion. And then also, to, you know, it doesn't become, it's not work anymore. You know, I think that's the biggest lesson from that. Fantastic. That's great. And uh, any other maybe quick tips about, or kind of like the biggest lesson that you've learned actually as a, as a founder um, from building actually the business, meaning uh, yeah. how did you, how did you get, I guess, there and uh, what were the big ups and downs, I guess? Yeah, I, I think, Again, key lessons there, um, you know, we, we spent a lot of time mapping out, you know, the kind of company we wanted to build, the kind of impact we wanted to have, and not losing sight of that. That's absolutely critical. And we talk about how the business has evolved and grown, um, the size and scale and kind of impact, you know. Um, it's about being open-minded, you know, to where some of those new opportunities are going to come from um, and thinking about how we're able to leverage expertise in one area and extend it into another area. So uh, we continue to unlock more value for the organization, you know, through that process. And it's about having the right mindset, you know, from that standpoint. So that's been really, I think, critical for us as a company in thinking about growth. Um, you know, at first we thought we were about simply like a supply chain disruption, you know, the idea we can enable local production. Um, then we realized, wait, this level of control and precision, we're actually creating a product that people like and want. And, uh, that's been the most validating part of the equation, right? In terms of thinking about, you know, again, uh, creating something that uh, people are enjoying. And so that allowed us to really appreciate that we can have an impact on, on multiple different areas. And then again, how do we leverage that expertise? So that's been part of, I think, what's served us well, uh, being open-minded and then thinking about how we extend and, and unlock more value for the company. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Mark. Uh, this, I really enjoyed actually this chat. Again, I could fire uh, off a ton of other questions, but I will stop here and let uh, all the people that have kindly uh, joined us today to actually ask any questions. If you can actually type them into the chat, that would be fantastic so that I can then read them loud to Mark. What advice would you give to students pursuing this field? Well, it's about appreciating, um, you know, there's lots of opportunities that in agriculture that people necessarily have traditionally thought about. And so uh, we think about our engineering team. We think about um, our data science team. You know, they're focusing now on, on you know, writing software that's not for uh, a social media app, but it's about, you know, how do we improve our food production? And I think that sense of purpose uh, has been uh, I think a major made, made a major impact in terms of thinking about uh, the people that we've been able to recruit and, and, and bring on board. And so 
um, I think that that's part of that lens of appreciating that there's more opportunities than ever before and how to extend you know, that basic skill set around engineering and, and software development. Um, and appreciating that it's becoming um, uh, a very um, desired area. And so, I mean, we have literally thousands of resumes that we get every month. And uh, it's about how do we then bring people to onboard and train them to be the next generation. So uh, people have to have the right mindset. We, we like to think about, you know, we don't hire people to solve a particular problem, but we hire problem solvers, right? So that it's about that mindset and mentality about um, each day we're going to face something different and about having uh, an ability to navigate within that is a really important uh, part of that, uh, I think, skill set and mindset that's needed. Fantastic. Thanks, Mark. Uh, how do you break into the ag tech industry? More broadly, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it goes back to the, some of what we were talking about in terms of the basic, you know, business fundamentals, problem solution, what, um, and what can you uniquely solve and address? And so, you know, just to build a little bit on the, on the personal story, the narrative, you know, um, we talk about there's three co-founders for the company. Um, and we, we each one have a little bit of a different story in terms of kind of thinking. Um, for me, it was around thinking about increasing access to healthier food and options. And so uh, I mentioned having worked in uh, the supermarket industry and, and that side, um, I got and was very fortunate to be involved with the food bank for New York City, which distributes over you know, 77 million pounds of food every year. And here in New York City, you think, you know, one of the major you know, capitals of the world, if you will, uh, you know, one out of five people are facing issues around access to food. And so, you know, how do we think differently about that? And so for me, it was really passionate about thinking about the community and how do we think about, you know, the role that we play within the community. Um, I mentioned our, our CEO, David Rosenberg, um, one of the clean tech uh, visionaries, uh, very involved, for example, with the World Economic Forum. Uh, he was on the Global Water Security Task Force. And for him, it was seeing the impact on water as one of our most precious resources. If you want to have an impact on water, should have an impact on farming and thinking differently around that. And then our, our chief science officer, Dr. Ed Harwood, was thinking about you know, how do you enable this local production? Uh, how do you breathe new life into these abandoned buildings and reconvert them into working farms? And so, um, you know, he's always been one of these consummate out-of-the-box thinkers um, and thinking differently about the kind of impact we can have. And so that's been, uh, I think, an important part of that lens of going back to, you know, how do you want to break into an industry is, uh, again, what's the business, but then what's your passion? What's your connection to it? And it's got to have that connection in terms of, again, uh, we talk about resiliency, we talk about perseverance and being able to understand, again, how to put that together. It takes a lot of fortitude, a lot of grit is the word. That's awesome, Mark. So it's almost like find, find your inner uh, kind of vision beforehand and what you're really passionate about, then find the, the door through which you can access actually the industry. That right. makes a lot of sense, yeah. Thanks for that. Then uh, um, Marvel Drone is asking, uh, we're starting to see a lot of players entering the, in, the indoor farming space. What do you think about all of the competition coming into the space and how you see it as a race to scale operations? Well, first, um, we celebrate it. This is great. I mean, we're, we're, it's not just a, a fad. This is a movement. This is you know, something that's more important than ever before. And, and, uh, we need a lot of different uh, players um, at the table helping drive, you know, more solutions and innovation. And so this is a, really good for the industry. Uh, we're trying to take a, a bigger picture as well. Um, 
we um, were one of the key architects for an organization called the CEA Food Safety Coalition. And so we're on the board and the vice chairman of that, uh, joined by other indoor farms like Bright Farms and uh, Little Leaf Farms and other companies like that. But what we're trying to do is make sure that we can develop standards, particularly around food safety, right? And so um, with a lot of new entrants, there might be sometimes an underappreciation of what's needed from a commercialization, from an operation, from a food safety standpoint. Uh, so we've come together uh, as an industry to be able to think differently about how we can share best practices and make sure everyone gets a chance to benefit from that. So uh, we're, we're excited by new entrants. We're excited in what it means to the consumer, more choices, more connection with their food. And again, we want to serve as an inspiration uh, for further innovation. We think that's going to come with more players. That's great. So the more the merrier, effectively, <laughs> as is also becoming yeah. Uh, yeah. an industry. And there's different races. I mean, part of the question that you talked about or how you phrased it as well, which is the race to scale, scale. right? And the economy. Uh, there's a race to think about where you can add unique value, right? And so... Uh, some of it is around large-scale commercial production like you're seeing uh, behind me. Sometimes it's uh, about smaller installations that are at the community level, right, in terms of, again, whether it's about job creation or whether it's just a connection with your food. Um, I mean, one of the most rewarding farms that we have is an inner-city school that we've had for over nine years. It's right in their dining hall. It's operated by the students. It's a kindergarten through eighth-grade program operated by the sixth graders. It's Phillips Academy Charter School. And you see how you can change behavior, you know, um, and how – when we talk about it, you know, people talk about, oh, you're developing your future consumer, right? They're, they're growing it, they're eating it. Uh, but even more importantly, they're saying, no, we were, we're going to be that next generation of farmer. And so that's what's been really exciting to think about, too, how we can serve as inspiration in multiple ways like that. That's awesome. Uh, thanks, Mark, for sharing also uh, this personal sort of story, <laughs> which are also related to, to the business. Um, one more question from Diana, who's asking, uh, seeds companies already license their products. Is there a conflict between doing good and making money? Well, those may be two different types of questions or comments, right? Um, let's just talk about the first one related to seed and seed companies, right? Yeah. So, you know, we want to work with all players and think about, again, how do we optimize? Uh, but really, but what's been one of our strengths is that we can take any seed and change the abiotic factors, the environmental factors, and stress that plant differently, and get it to express itself. So we can change the morphology, the shape, the color, the nutrition, the flavor, by creating different stresses. The exact same seed that you have out in the field, but we can manage and control. And that next level you know, of phenotyping is really thinking about, again, what are those characteristics that we want to express? And so um, that's been exciting to think about independence, if you will, about what's happening in terms of some of the seed consolidation. Uh, but it's a definitely a part of the industry. And so we want to have big scale impact. And so we're working with seed companies as well in terms of thinking about uh, how to optimize seeds for the indoor environment. And that's really important lens there because we want to think about, again, not just what's happening within our four walls of our farms, but again, what's happening in the broader industry. Fair enough. Um... And the second part was, can you do good without <laughs> make money? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, and that's, you know, why we, uh, we, we said we're, we've been mission driven from day one, but that was why it was really important for us. We were one of the earlier adopters, one of the first farms to do certified B Corporation, right? So that there is that scorecard and we always thinking, you know, again, having that lens of all stakeholders, right? So it's not at the expense 
of. It's not the either or, it's with, you know, and. So we're gonna do this and make sure we're, we're mindful of that. So I think that's just important uh, part of what we think is gonna be, um, you know, how business can be a force for good. And that's really a new way of doing business that's gonna be the, the norm. It's not gonna be at the expense of the other. That's fantastic, Mark. And actually is a great segue to an, another question from actually Amaris who's asking, how do you approach actually scaling sustainably? So how do we approach scale and think about sustainability? That's yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you start with, again, the core fundamentals. So we talk about the advantage we've, we highlighted with uh, just the way we grow, right? The idea that we're able to grow with 95% less water than the field, 40% uh, less than even hydroponics. Uh, and we just highlighted how, you know, water is one of our most precious resources and the pollution is really coming from traditional field farming. And so we have to think differently. So that kind of scale and impact fundamentally just changes about, you know, where we can put farms. And we talk about putting farms in the Middle East, right? It's really arid and challenging. Um, you know, this is one of the ways to think differently about, again, how we can think sustainably and have that kind of right kind of uh, impact we want to have. Um, Joao is asking, besides producing green leaves, what else are you producing? Any fruits or berries? Uh, we, we have grown and, and grow, we've grown over 800 different types of crops. So it extends not only into the world of berries, but other types of, uh, we've done the root vegetables, the vine crops. Um, and we constantly look at, again, where we can have the right impact. And so um, we're very, very excited about, you know, where we're going with some of these things um, because of the confidentiality nature of working with some of the strategic partners. We can't go into specific details on some of the categories, but when we talk about 800, that's a wide range, right? And we're trying to think, you know, even more broadly, when we think about the concept of biodiversity in bringing back heirloom uh, varieties that have disappeared and how we can really, you know, again, uh, be able to, to appreciate those things that have gone to the wayside. Dustin, I'm going to try to bundle up actually two questions about uh, international exp expansion for aero farms. Um, are you looking to expand to Canada or Pacific Northwest? And also, Puned was asking uh, when it comes to international expansion. Are you guys looking also for joint ventures partnership in other countries to expand internationally beyond, I guess, the Arabic, the United uh, Arab Emirates? Yep. Yeah, so um, we um, definitely are very much focused on, you know, areas of impact and that's uh, by geography, by country, by region. Um, and we have a pretty healthy pipeline of, of projects that are in development. We have a dedicated corporate development team, you know, uh, that are helping manage that entire funnel, you know, the, of projects that we have and initiatives. I think we go back to thinking about the business principles. One of our biggest challenges, you know, how do we prioritize? Um, how do we say no as well? That's one of the biggest things when you think about like, oh, I can chase this, I can run after this, but how to be disciplined in terms of thinking about where we're going to expand to. Uh, but what's exciting, each one of the areas that you talked about are areas that we uh, have had a chance to look deeply into those different markets and see opportunities where we can have an impact. And uh, the idea of how do we expand that in a capital efficient way is another way of thinking about uh, joint venture as a, as a strategy and as a, as a tactic. Um, we definitely welcome that. We look for that. We look for market um, strategic value as well in terms of understanding a market, understanding you know, a locale, understanding the players, understanding distribution so that we can think differently in terms of, again, how we work with different partners. But JV is a, uh, or a licensed farm is, is something that we're definitely very much open to. Um, just to finish up, um, 
Susanna is asking, do you think there will be more and more AI applications in vertical farm companies? Where do you see the biggest opportunity for its use? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things when you think about um, what we're doing today, you know, what we've developed are what we call a growing algorithm, right? We've looked at all the key variables that are going into really understanding that plant and understanding how to optimize that plant. And so um, what's feeding that algorithm is data. And what's feeding then that data then are smart systems and we're using the machine vision, machine learning that's then leading to AI. So the understanding of how we can help, you know, we think of our growing towers that you see behind me as like living computers, right? They're constantly sensing and monitoring the plants and understanding and then how to continue to optimize and make course corrections as needed to the environmental factors that you see there. And so the AI is a key part of where we think about, again, um, how to enable that technology that we're talking about so that we can improve the product quality and, and, and again, the performance. You know, there are things that we're doing today, like with spectral imaging, that the human eye can't detect. And so we can use that as leading indicators around health. And so how we integrate that into our design and systems and then think about how we integrate that into AI is, you know, huge opportunities as we think about other categories as well. So we have tons and tons of data insights around the leafy greens. And we continue to think about the other categories where we can add equal value. Fantastic. Well, at uh, 5.45 sharp, <laughs> we managed to wrap up this, uh, this virtual chat. Thank you very much, uh, Mark, for joining us today. And thanks very much for everyone for joining us. And thanks again, Mark, for uh, your time uh, and your um, your time that you spent sharing with us uh, uh, the whole story about AeroFarms and uh, how you're planning to evolve, which is really exciting. So thanks again. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Food Tech Revolution podcast. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and sign up to our global startup community and join the food tech revolution over at www.forwardfooding.com.